Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to a, it's a winter, winter Wisconsin day here. We record Thursday morning. I am joined by Robert Craig, our Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert, good to have you. Happy, at least if you're in Southeast Wisconsin, snowstorm today. We're, we're, we're uh, podcasting on Thursday. You'll hear this Friday. We'll know how much snow we got by then. Yes. Well, Robert, uh, we have a ton to talk about. We're going to have a couple of guests this week. Uh, Dr. Michael Rosen will be joining us again. We have um, a number of things we want to talk about him, including the proposal in Governor Evers' budget for money for the brewers and their stadium. And we also have some uh, Fed news, some economic news we want to talk with uh, Dr. Rosen about. We're also going to be joined at the end of the show by one of our organizers uh, from the Northeastern Wisconsin area in uh, Green Bay. Natalie Hoffman will be joining us. And we're going to talk about one of uh, our, our canvas that'll be uh, launching this Saturday up there, but also some state budget events we're going to be doing up in that region. So look forward to that conversation. But Robert, we have to talk about the state budget. It is a huge issue this week. Um, Governor Evers gave a state budget address last night. But before we do that, it is it is a primary GOTV weekend week, I guess you could say. Um, early voting is in full force. And in just about every community, you can do that at least through this Friday. I know uh, most are also open on Saturday. Uh, but folks, uh, get out and vote early if you can. And then, of course, um, Tuesday is Election Day, primary Election Day, Tuesday, February 1st. Please, please make sure you contact you know all your progressive friends family and neighbors and remind them to get out and vote it's very important uh, that we have a good turnout because nothing is guaranteed in terms of which of the four supreme court candidates get in you could have two conservatives um so please make sure we get out the vote robert i don't know if you had anything you wanted to add around the supreme court race we've talked a ton about it again remind folks we've endorsed uh, two of the candidates uh that would be Judge Everett Mitchell and Justice Janet Protesewitz. And uh, uh, Robert, just want to give you any uh, final thoughts before the uh, election here about um, the spring primary. Well, it's of national importance. And what is fascinating is low turnout is being projected. So it means a whole lot of voters don't understand how significant and important it is, which is understandable in the sense that you know, the role of a politicized Supreme Court, the outsized role in what happens in Wisconsin is, of course, poorly understood. And that's part of the conspiracy, the way the right has been able to use mechanisms to of control that that don't even come to the attention of most folks. They try to live their lives, you know, make a living, raise their families, etc. So we just need to we need to talk to a lot more people. But we'll have a lot of time to talk about that in the general election as well. But please vote in the primary and drag people out and volunteer in programs like citizen actions to get people out to vote and understand the stakes in this in this election. Yeah, and we are going to be just doing a huge amount of both doors and phones. We're going to have Monday evening phone banking. We're also going to have phone banking on Saturdays. 
Um, there are ways that if you want to phone bank that are outside of those two major evenings uh, that will have opportunities for you post primary election. And this is every week. Uh, we're very excited about that, including canvassing uh, on weekends and other opportunities. So folks, we'll talk more about that next week after the primary election, but we need your engagement. We also need your resources. It is expensive to run a field operation, to hire folks to do this work. Um, so to, to produce literature, we need your donations and support. Uh, it is critically important. So we will have a donation link to our Supreme Court Action Fund. Um, I just got to tell you, folks, I'm really impressed so far. We have had we've had uh, about 150 small donors donate through our online opportunities. We had hundreds of folks donate uh, through their tips at Delta Beer Lab, which we've talked about. And we've also had the generous support of other folks around the country through organizations and groups like Sister District, who've just done an amazing job at raising small dollar donations from people around the country who care about our democracy and the Supreme Court election. So please be a part of that. This is really central to what we think is philosophically important to, to bring back a, a functioning democracy, right? We'll never have enough to beat back all the ads, but we, we do have enough and we have agency and we want to tap into that, both your volunteerism and your dollars. We ask for your dollars this week. Please go click the donate link, go and donate to the Supreme Court Action Fund. Every dollar is going in directly to support this work. So with that though, Robert, I am, I'm gonna ask a lot of heavy lifting from you in the next segment because it's, it's a state budget. And I have a lot of thoughts, but I really want to hear from you, Governor Evers. Last night, big state budget speech. It was a it was a tight 35, 40 minute speech, folks. If you haven't heard it, listen it to it. We will put a link to it in the podcast. Um, we'll also, if I can, we'll have potentially some other links to just some key details that are in there. But Robert, this is a big speech. This is the biannual state budget, it'll occupy everyone's attention the next six months, maybe even longer. Uh, and it's the one place we've talked about it where Governor Evers has some leverage because the legislature, we have to pass a state budget and the legislature has to have Governor Evers sign it. There has to be an agreement. Robert, this is huge. Tell us, first of all, your initial thoughts at what you heard about what's in the governor's budget. In particular, I'd like you to at least highlight three very positive things. And then after that, I'd like us to have a conversation about some of the areas that maybe are missing, not go deep, but just talk about opportunities and then focus on a brief conversation about what's next, where we go, how, you know, where are the important points for us as progressives and how should we be engaging? So Robert, just your initial thoughts, some top highlights, top things about what you think is in Governor Evers' budget. I'd like to, uh, I'll try to stick to your easier to follow format. There's complexity even in the good things, right? So once you dig deeper and deeper and uh, complexity in the bad things too, or the less good things. Uh, but let me frame it up first, because I just think uh, we, have a, we have a lot of messy thinking, partly because of our forced uh, two-party system about what's going on here. If we were in most other uh, parliamentary democracies, 
which are multi-party systems, the progressive and centrist wings of the Democratic Party would be separate parties. They might be in coalition government, but then there'd be a negotiation. We've gotten closer to that at the federal level with the Sanders, the progressive wing growing, and the Biden administration, uh, but not so much in Wisconsin. So I want to say that we are allied with Governor Evers. We need Governor Evers in order to get anything done in Wisconsin. But we also are trying to, there's a process where we're trying to move him to the more bold and progressive, and that's a journey. So he's moved in certain critical ways in this budget, but there are ways in which there are missed opportunities as well. Um, so that, that's why I want to frame this up as, and he, in this budget, Matt, he doesn't have any constitutional power to make them adopt it. And they've already said they've thrown it out, but he has the bully pulpit. He's the only person elected by all the people of the state. And with the gerrymandered legislature, he's the only legitimate leader of this state in the in the budget process. Uh, but not, And so it, it's his ability with the budget address and then how we back him up and what he does during this process to make the Republicans feel forced to give in on some of these issues because of their popularity, because they feel wind at his sails and wind in their face. So, Robert, top what you think are the three most important things in this budget that progressives ought to be focused on and fighting for? Uh, substantial increase in school funding. The complexity is it's not a all... historic increase, right, Robert? Let's just right, but it's 14 percent, something like that. Yes, but it's so underfunded, it's it's not enough. Madison's still going to have shortfalls, they've announced. Yep. So, But still, compared to what's going on, it's a huge step forward, especially since Governor Evers framed this as a generational budget about posterity. As a progressive, I'd rather he went further, but he went very far. Okay, Robert, he did more than that. He actually said that this were that we are in the best financial shape the state has ever been in, which, by the way, comes with some expectations then if yeah. this is the best financial shape the state that puts us in looking at historic things that we've done as a state in our history because those are opportunities when you are in this supposedly historically oh, best financial state that's one two paid family medical leave yes putting a down payment on it and then making it a self-sustaining program this is the model Milwaukee's own Ellen Bravo has worked on for years, former head of nine to five and uh, uh, and uh, family values at work. Uh, this is something that when I was on the platform committee for Bernie Sanders, team Hillary rejected in the platform. So it's a move. Now, Biden, President Biden supports it. So Evers has moved the way Biden has. And the party has moved on this. We're the only country in the world without with zero paid family leave, there's this idea this, that somehow this could pass because some pro-life groups are working for it. I, you know, let's push it. But quite frankly, it's a mistake to think that anything they say is what they actually mean. It's all political posturing. When it comes down to it, they'll never offend the people who pay for their campaigns. But, uh, but I think we should push it and see. And it's at least an issue where the public can see a, see a clear distinction. That's the key to it's, democracy. It, it, and they can see all... a clear distinction if, on schools because of what, uh, what uh, Governor Evers did. Next one is childcare. And specifically, there, there was a huge amount of pandemic funding that prevented a mass closure of childcare agencies. And Evers administration did very well in moving the money more than other states had fewer closures. 
this maintains it. There needs to be more done on childcare, but there'll be a cliff where the childcare crisis and the access to affordable childcare problem gets even worse if we don't do this. So that's a huge deal. And and with that, folks, you have your top three from Robert Craig. We got to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're going to talk more about the state budget when we come back. Um, you should, if you don't, you should follow us on Twitter. You should be with us on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. And of course, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're talking about the state budget because it is going to be everything. Everything that happens in the state of Wisconsin in terms of legislatively in Madison. It's the most important piece where the spending is it reflects our priorities robert before the break i'd asked you you gave us your top three things that were in the budget i want to give you an opportunity to talk just a little bit more about a few other things that are in the budget that are important in particular robert i want you to focus on things that you know we at citizen action are going to be heavily involved in trying to work on so uh, areas within climate health care democracy things you'd like to highlight robert yeah, and in some cases, if it wasn't in the speech and I got talked to the governor's office and have things in writing, I'm projecting what I think is in the longer document. I haven't seen it yet. I was looking this morning, unless Matt has found, unless you have found a more detailed version of the budget other than the speech and the press releases. Uh, no. But um, but let me just say, so what this is stuff we, I'll start with things we know are in the budget because they actually made the speech. You know, Badgerker expansion is a big one. I didn't make it the top three because any Democrat is going to support it. It's a, it's a no-brainer, and it's crazy that we don't do it. It is important. Um, we we believe a badge care public option, which would offer the benefits of badge care and public health insurance instead of corporate exploitive health insurance, also is in there. That's what the governor's office told me. That details pending if it's all the way to what Representative Christina Shelton's excellent bill proposes, or short of that, any part of that is is beneficial. For example, so that would those would be some positive things. We think, though, I, pending the wording, that the governor is going to require utilities to make it possible for everyone, regardless of their ability to qualify for a bank loan or put cash up themselves to get energy conservation uh, upgrades to their homes and, and solar energy at no cost to them. In other words, they, they, their repayment is zero interest and their utility bill still goes down because of the savings. It's called on-bill financing. It's where the utility, which has plenty of money, does it. The uh, surrounding states like Illinois and Minnesota have it. Wisconsin doesn't because we've not made the utilities like we energies or Excel do it. So pending the details, I want to make sure it's strong enough, but I'm told that's in there, okay? Um, I've, there's also, we know there's a major investment in green jobs, green jobs workforce. There's going to be a shortage of the people we need to meet the climate targets. Uh, so that is critical. In addition, we need to change the structure of the economy to make this open to the people who are most left out in our economy with income inequality skyrocketing, people who don't have access to opportunity and disproportionately people of color, young people of color, but also a lot of young white people as well. Uh, there's money there. I do want to dig more into the details of how it's structured and whether it really, really requires it enough. Robert, last night um, we had a 
a virtual watch party. And there were some people who also joined us in our office, but uh, over 50 people attended that were on. And then there was a discussion. You know, I'll watch the uh, Evers speech. And then um, we had a nice discussion afterwards. And I want to mention that it was noteworthy and it was commented on by at least a couple of our members and concern around, and I want you to address this, climate really wasn't a focus or really discussed. And it just, it, it was expressed by our members a concern that, you know, this is a, this is a absolutely existential threat and it just doesn't seem to be central enough. Could you address that, first of all, but also provide at least some perspective as to, first of all, what you do think or at this point what we know is in there, in addition to what you mentioned around on-bill financing, right? Um, but just address that concern, because um, we share that at, at some level and just discuss that. More than at some level, I share it profoundly. <laughs> um Look, Governor Evers is to be given credit to be the first governor to take climate change seriously, okay? But, the, you know, these are political productions. A lot of political people whisper in people's ears. This idea that we're going to meet, make the climate target, which is cutting emissions almost in half by 2030, and not talk about it in what is supposed to be this speech about future generations, right, for posterity, to quote Governor Evers, uh, is unfathomable. And uh, quite frankly, inexcusable under the circumstances. And so I do not understand it. He is listening to the wrong people. We know he understands that we need to make rapid process on progress on climate. I would love to hear from some of his people what the theory of the case is that's going to come more rapidly if we don't talk about it, because we've decided it's dead on arrival because the Republican Party in, in the United States is the only conservative party in the world that I, uh, in the advanced industrial world that still is in the climate denial mode. Look, I, I mean, I was surprised just because I felt like the speech had strengths in other areas um, that seemed to understand. And I want to talk more about this, this, this dance we're headed into with the Republicans, i.e., they're going to throw this this budget's thrown on the floor immediately. They said they're doing that. They're going to write a completely different budget. And again, folks, this is why this battle is going to be super important. What Governor Eaver does to defend key parts of this budget are critical. And what I mean by that is how much pressure like can we apply to them publicly, politically on these key issues? Um, and I would mention, Robert, you know, it shared the, the two things you mentioned, the bit major drivers of money, education, shared revenue, things like that. Um, what is he willing to defend? How much pressure can be made and made public to put pressure on the Republicans since everything that Evers talked about, including my understanding, like legalizing marijuana is going to be in is in there. Other things is wildly popular, right? But we're dealing with this gerrymandered legislature. And so it's um, we 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 are going to probably end up, folks, in a position where the governor is likely going to have a challenging decision in May and June that in, is probably going to mean vetoing significant chunks or the entire state budget and having a fight with these folks because 
Robert, it just doesn't seem like any of what we just talked about, like is going to be a, a legit negotiation. It's yeah. They've already said it's an arrival. Voss said after the thing that the speech wasn't in reality, talked about one tame money, therefore it's not sustainable. Uh, remember, and there's some, you know, there's actually a little tidbit there. Here's there's the truth thing. to that because we don't have revenue in there. In fact, we're giving away 10, yes. we're having 10% tax cuts. That's right. And right. we're not reversing what Walker did to undermine the revenue of the state. Huge corporate tax. And eggs still in there. Or are we thinking about having the ultra rich start to pay their fair share, which right. we could do. So you could make this sustainable, but the, the, the moderate wing of the party that Evers leads has decided we're just not going to go there. Contra Biden who leaned in on billionaires tax and tax fairness and taxing the wealthy and large corporations in his state of the union kids widely popular because, you know, that particularly a state, you could make an argument the federal government isn't a currency issuer and doesn't die and could do it without these tax increases. But you can't make that the state level, the state that really does have to balance its books. Well, look, it's it to me, it was the biggest thing that like, in addition to Dr. Rosen will be joining us, we'll get into the stadium issue, but just the lack of, well, one celebrating and saying this is the best financial state we've ever been in is, and then we're giving away more of the revenue. By the way, I think, and this may be unpopular, I think the revenue part that Biden's going after talking about a wealth tax, that shit's more popular than talking about a middle-class tax cut. Just, oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it's not and, even... And, and so we're missing not only getting revenue to make this stable and, and address what Voss, as you said, is legitimately said, like this doesn't address, we need a sustainable, more progressive revenue sources, not it, continued it, it, cutting. <laughs> and it's a middle, this is the old 90s politics, because it's a middle-class tax cut that defines middle-class much too high, Okay. We have a median household income in the 60,000s range in that in that category, and we're doing up to 150,000 for a family of two. Why do we think we have to appease people at that level, right? I know there's an income tax credit as well, but I haven't seen analysis yet of whether it helps the people who need it most more or not, because they pay a less percentage of income tax, okay? It's actually going to be at least mildly regressive, okay? Yeah. And then just, another bit, before we finish, another big missed opportunity. It's great that he talked about the housing crisis and the wave of evictions. It's mostly pilot programs. Okay. And then there, there, there is a tenant's right to counsel then overdue, which people like the new state representative Ryan Clancy fought for as a Milwaukee County supervisor and many others. That's good, but we should actually invest in, in, making, in making fair housing available. And we can't just do it. Uh, with, with a current system that leaves everything to real estate and landlords, because that's not their interest. Well, listen, folks, we're going to talk a shit ton more <laughs> about the state budget a little bit. I'm sure we'll dabble on it with Dr. Rosen. Uh, we definitely are because we're going to, I, I asked him to come on to specifically address the Brewer stadium, which we have not talked about because I wanted him to be on to help us enlighten this conversation, uh, but we got to first take a break. When we come back again, we're going to be joined by Dr. Michael Rosen, our in-house economist. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. Of course, you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We're talking state budget, and we're going to start, finish that conversation by welcoming in Dr. Michael Rosen, good to have you, Michael. Uh, great to be here. Before so we, the snow. 
Oh, it's beautiful outside. I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. Winter finally came in February and it'll be gone tomorrow, just in time for me to go. Or it'll be gone on Saturday, just in time to hit the doors in Green Bay. I'll be on the doors, Michael. Uh, But I want to talk to you. We got a number of things, but we're going to start with the Brewers Stadium and the money that is in um, the state budget for the Brewers to, it is my understanding, to do maintenance, a whole bunch of maintenance to the roof and other things. Uh, not to build a whole new stadium or do massive renovations, but wanted to have you on to get your comment because um, you have done a lot of research. You've written, you've talked a lot about um, these kinds of public uses for um, pro sports. Yeah. Your thoughts on this? Okay, so what uh, Governor Evers is proposing is two hundred and ninety million dollars for. Uh, repair and renovation. And, I, and I'll talk a little bit about those things in a minute. I think there's some important data, and I hate to just be data ahead on this, but I think there's some important numbers to, to talk about. And then we'll talk just about the economic impact of investments in stadiums, uh, which economists from across every political perspective uh, agree is pretty negligible. Uh, but and by the way, some... Michael, sorry to interrupt. You would not know that from any of the articles I read in the Cap Times, which only cited the MMAC's <laughs> uh, study or the Journal Sentinel. What you just said—that nobody. Right. In fact, I saw a study. It's like eighty-five percent of economists. The studies are almost entirely unanimous among uh, peer-reviewed economist studies. Uh, and I'll explain why in a moment. But before I do that, I just want to talk a little bit about how uh, the owner of the, the Brewers, Anastasio, has done. Uh, when uh, he bought the team, he paid $223 million for it. I mean, the man is a billionaire. Uh, and that's who buys professional sports teams. Uh it's now increased in value by fivefold to 1.22 billion. So whenever he does sell the team, he will walk away with a huge, huge profit, huge profit. Um, and uh, just to be clear, the Brewers are one of the only teams in the country that are now making money, about 66 million a year. I'm not going to get into the how they've handled the players uh, where after they sold their best relief pitcher, they kind of plummeted out of the playoffs last year. But they're making $66 million a year, which is a, uh, an astounding number. So now they, the state is talking about giving $300 million, $290 million. The best thing I'll say about it uh, is that it's better that Governor Evers is giving it this way is better than if it was done through the sales tax or other forms of tax, because that would include much higher interest payments over a long period of time. Michael, isn't this just one-time money that's coming from the surplus? So it's boom, here's the money, we're done. Right, rather than bonding for it and having to pay interest rates. So that's the best thing I can say for it. But here are the economics of stadiums 
what happens when the MMAC does its study or when uh, other, other uh, corporate oriented firms do their study is they take all of the player salaries, uh, all of the money spent uh, at the stadium, all of the money spent and ancillary activities like tailgating, they add it all up and they say that's the economic impact. And they <laughs> and they even throw in a multiplier. What they what they ignore is something called the substitution effect, which is uh, well, it's actually two things: the substitution effect and leakage. And I'll talk to, about both of those. The substitution effect is that really professional baseball or any professional sport is a is a entertainment activity. And if Matt, you take your family of four to the Brewers game and you spend a hundred, you know, I don't know, you buy $40 tickets, that's $160. Uh, you pay for parking, whatever. That's money that you're not going to pay in some other form of entertainment, whether it's going to the theater, whether it's taking your wife out to eat, whether it's uh, you know, blowing an, ins other. blowing an insane amount of money on motorcycles and dirt exactly. tracks. Exactly. exactly. But it's a so so uh, it's not creating new economic activity because for any family, there's a certain amount of money they have that they're going to spend on entertainment. And if they spend it on professional sports, they're not going to spend it on what you know, there's their opportunity. Movies, fund. all kinds of stuff, doing other right. things. So, have so, much so time. it doesn't create new economic activity. It simply substitutes for it. But the other is leakage. And that is that when a player, one of the top players, like I, I always like to use the example of Robin Yount, even though he hasn't, he hasn't played for the Brewers. Oh, you're an old timer. Come but, on. But Yount lived in Arizona. So even though he was the highest paid brewer, or one of the highest paid, Molitor might have been uh, slightly higher at some point. Most of the money leaked out to Arizona. And in, in, that, in the case of Robin Yao, his brother then took all of the millions that Robin was making and invested it in real estate in the Southwest. Okay, so the money didn't, unlike the studies that just say, well, Robin Yao got paid 10 million a year or whatever the number was, and that went right into the Wisconsin economy. Very little of it did. It leaked out. It leaked out. And so for both of those reasons, the economic impact of professional sports is, is pretty minimal. And then when you add to it that the Brewers built their stadium so that tailgating would be part of it, uh, as opposed to building it downtown, uh, where people then would, uh, you're surrounded by bars and so uh, taverns and so forth, restaurants would have been right spend next their to money Pfizer. in the local economy. What happens is if I'm coming to the, the ball game from Manitowoc, I'll load up at the grocery store in Manitowoc. I'll buy my beer. I'll buy my brats. I'll come down. I'll go into the parking lot. It has nothing to do to the local economy, even though, at least in the past, the taxes were paid by five count five counties. Now, <laughs> Evers' thing is statewide. The money is statewide, and so I give him credit for that, and I give him credit for the other. But then you have to ask the question. You have to ask the question: What are the priorities of the state? 
the only good argument you can make for investing in the Brewers is that you like baseball and you want to have it, not the economic impact. And if that's the case, then the one economic thing you should be doing is saying, if we're going to give $290 million that the people that work at the stadium should have the same kind of deal that the people who worked at the Bucks arena got. And that would, in my view now, would not be $15 an hour, but would be $20 an hour at a, at a base wage. They would have card check for unionization, et cetera. Because the question you have to ask is, are there, is there a better $300 million use that this state could have, huh. whether it's healthcare, whether it's more in education, whether I, I just saw that the University of Wisconsin system's request was underfunded in this budget. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, we have students we, all over the state who can't afford and are dropping out of college because they have economic hardship. Yeah. So that's the question people need to ask. Well, we we talked about a number of things in the first couple segments that could have been in here and aren't. So there are obviously things that come at its expense. Robert, question for Dr. Rosen. Yeah, not only is the UW underfunded, but uh, Evers removed his his support for the tuition freeze. So he's actually uh, suggesting an increase. Now, you have to hold the UW accountable, too, just like you talked about holding the Miller's the Brewers accountable for, for their work standards, right? Because the UW doesn't necessarily pass anything we give them on to affordability for people who don't have it. Um, seems like the economic development uh, argument is, is simply a big lie. And that if you have an honest conversation, which WMC never wants to have, you would say the value of being a big league city and having a pennant race, that that's worth the 290 million. That would be the honest argument because... Uh, you know, we all like, I assume the three of us like having the brewers in town, but we've set it up where a rent-seeking nightmare, right? Where Major League Baseball can play places off of each other and they can take their, their huge expensive operation and just run to Jacksonville if they get a better deal. And that we've just allowed that to happen. We've allowed them to set up these the, the rent-seeking they have no way need because the asset is gaining in so much value, they don't need a subsidy at all. And Illinois, to its credit, is putting nothing into the Bears stadium in the suburbs. Pritzker, has made, the governor, has made that clear. So that's a better model. Yeah. And, and, and just to be clear, it isn't all just repairs. Uh, one of the th things in the, uh, in the budget that uh, is going to be funded is an entertainment area for uh, the new generation of fans who like to have baseball as a backdrop rather than as the focus of their attendance at the stadium. Michael, is that now, a new generation? I believe all generations have had baseball <laughs> as a little bit of a backdrop to their well, well, conversation, I'm, I'm saying, their well, business I'll... discussion. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Uh, that's how they phrase it. In any case, you know, it seems to me that if the state's going to do this, and I agree with Robert that, you know, the argument, the only argument you can make is we like to have it. Uh, we, you know, people like to have it as an entertainment option, but generally we don't, you know, subsidize a restaurant. We don't subsidize uh, uh, the theater. You know, those are those those get uh, they have they have to uh, generate money through foundations and through uh, family uh, donations. 
and here we're having the state give a huge subsidy uh, again to the uh, Major League Baseball. Now, remember that this isn't just a Milwaukee phenomenon. While it's true that in some places like San Francisco and uh, evidently with the Bears Stadium, uh, there's no uh, subsidy, uh, public subsidy. These leagues have created a system where they play cities off against each other to generate public subsidies to build these mausoleums, really. And, and, and Michael, with that, I'm going to have to wrap this up other than to say what he just said, it's the same damn thing as Foxconn. And I want to remind you folks, the people that brought that great polling in the Journal Sentinel about how wonderful this is for a state, they're the same clowns who tried to take responsibility for bringing Foxconn here and told us Foxconn was going to be, stop we need to stop believing that the business community are soothsayers and everything they say is right. And so it's absolutely right. Same thing. They play off communities. Thank, my, Dr. Rosen, thank you for coming on. We're going to have you back on. We'll talk more. We don't have time to talk about the Fed. Uh, the Fed saying that they're going to have probably two more rate increases. They're just not happy. They want to make sure workers are definitely doing poorly, but we'll talk more about that next time. Dr. Rosen, thanks for joining us and talking about the this uh, the money for the stadium and the state budget. Okay, great to be here and uh, have, have a good week and stay safe today. Absolutely. Thank you. With that, folks, we got to take a quick break. We are going to be joined by Natalie Hoffman on the backside of this commercial from straight out of Green Bay, straight out of Green Bay. You're listening to the Battle of Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we are Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We talk all the time about our organizing cooperatives throughout the state. These are our membership affiliates, and we are really happy to be joined by our organizer who leads the Northeast Co-op, Natalie Hoffman. Natalie, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Matt. <laughs> oh, we're so happy to have you. And one of the reasons I asked you to come on is you have a ton of stuff going on and I want to get into that. But before I do, this is your first time on the show. Many of our listeners may have never met you, heard of you. Uh, just give us a little background on who Natalie Hoffman is and uh, a little bit more about your work uh, uh, as the organizer for the co-op up there in Green Bay area. Yeah, sure. Uh, happy to. So uh, my name is Natalie. My pronouns are she, they, and I am the Northeast Co-op Organizer of Citizen Action of Wisconsin. Um, I actually, so I live in Green Bay right now, but I'm not originally from Green Bay. I grew up in the Milwaukee area uh, in Greenfield and I came up to Green Bay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I came up to uh, college uh you went to college at UW-Green yes. Bay? I went to college at UW-Green Bay. <laughs> I came up here for college and I went to UW-Green Bay. Um, I studied political science and criminal justice and a few other things, but that's what's related to the work I'm doing now, mostly. Um, and uh, just out of college, a couple months after, I ended up uh, getting into some virtual organizing during uh, the 2020 election. And that kind of led me to the world of organizing. Took a break from, from it for a while, but then um, and back in spring of 2022, I actually ended 
ended up running for Green Bay City Council up here. I was recruited very last minute to run, but um, running in that race kind of led me to uh, my uh, big passion for local politics. And so um, after finishing that race, um, I ended up uh, connecting with the former organizer here, uh, Noah Reef, and um, I ended up uh, finding out about this position. And uh, that's kind of what led me here today. Well, Natalie, I love that story. First of all, you're someone who came out of the UW Green Bay, right, which is a great public institution, uh, and the UW system is fantastic. But then just your story of getting involved in running for local office. We spent a lot of time doing that, trying to encourage people to do that so that you did that. And that was sort of your gateway into really understanding the importance of democracy and organizing is an inspiring story. So, okay, you've made it, you get hired, you're our uh, co-op organizer in the Green Bay area. So. Uh, you got some interesting things going on. We've we've been talking endlessly uh, for a month or two now about this critical Supreme Court election. Um, you've got a big canvas that you're launching on Saturday, and uh, it's uh, the beginning of a lot of work. Tell our listeners a little bit more and why they ought to get involved if they live in the Green Bay area or the Fox Valley area. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, not only is the uh, state Supreme Court race happening that we're all uh, pretty well aware of, I hope, uh, the primary is uh, next Tuesday, February 21st. Um, and so we have that race going on. But in Green Bay, um, we also have the primary uh, for the Green Bay mayor's race. And so Eric Genrich, um, our current mayor up here, is running for re-election this spring. Um, and he's got some tough competition. So we want to make sure that we do everything that we can to get him re-elected because he is just incredible for this area. He has made some incredible strides on uh, climate change issues, um, affordable housing in the area, and he's also uh, made some really um, progressive um, changes and um, additions to our public safety up here. Um, Natalie, I'm so glad you mentioned Mayor Genrick, and I think it speaks well that your team was uh, of members that I talked to after we interviewed him, just super fired up and understanding the critical importance that having a progressive like uh, Mayor Genrick uh, in that area where we're trying to build out progressive, he's he and Christina Shelton are like, they're, they're uh, on islands. And so um, this re-election super important. Um, so really happy to hear that. Uh, so tell us more. Yeah. So we're going to be talking on doors supporting Eric and has a really important election. You're right to point that out. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, so the state Supreme Court race, too. Um, our biggest thing is that we just need to get one of our two progressive candidates through the primary so that they have a shot at winning the election in April. <laughs> yeah, or both. <laughs> More likely it's going to be one over the other. But I mean, we can we can definitely dream. I am dreaming of uh, just not having to worry about whether or not we're going to have one of our progressive <laughs> candidates win in the April election. But um, yeah, I mean, having at least one of them get through the, April, the February primary is going to be huge huge because um, we need one of those candidates to win in April, because um, if one of our candidates wins in April, that means we're going to see uh, the majority uh, flip in the state Supreme Court. So right now it's a conservative leaning majority only by four to three, though. So if we can flip one seat from a, a conservative majority to a liberal majority, then we'll be able to go after things like the gerrymandered maps, the abortion ban. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the laundry list of things that right Literally, now are being yes. choked. We Look, can go after all those things if we win in April. And so in order to do that, we need to get somebody through the primary in next week. <laughs> yes. So you've got a canvas on Saturday where 
if people, and I'm coming up, I'm really yeah. excited to come yeah. canvas. I, I was up in Green Bay last fall doing some doors mm -hmm. uh, for Representative Shelton and uh, Mandela Barnes. Uh, if folks want to join us on Saturday, uh, where should they meet us? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be meeting at uh, the Attic Corner. Um, it's a little coffee shop on Bodart Street, uh, 730 Bodart Street to be exact. It's on the east side. And uh, we're going to just be meeting up there at noon on Saturday. Uh, we're going to do a brief little canvas training and then we're going to uh, send people out on the doors. So folks, please, I'll be there. Come on. Come on out and meet me. Come meet Natalie. And Natalie, yeah, while I still have you here, you look our what's awesome about our co-ops is they're permanent we don't just work on elections uh you're also knee deep in the state budget the thing we spent a lot of time talking about sure uh, here in the first couple segments but um you've got some pretty cool meetings uh and listening sessions uh with two of our awesome state reps in the fox valley green bay area tell our listeners a little bit more about that and why they should get involved yeah, I'm so excited for these. Um, so we are partnering with uh, representatives Christina Shelton from Green Bay and uh, Representative Lee Snodgrass from Appleton uh, to host um, a couple of budget review uh, and feedback sessions. Uh, so um, the governor uh, uh, gave his uh, state budget address last night and there was a lot of good stuff in there, but um, I think we could go into a little bit more detail about like what exactly that includes and just break down some of the provisions in that budget. And so um, representatives Shelton and Snodgrass Grass are going to be uh, joining us um, to give like a review, just kind of going over some of those highlights from the budget, um, especially like including the healthcare provisions. Uh, I know that last night um, Governor Evers did mention um, expanding Badger Care in the budget address. So uh, definitely uh, going to have them talk a little bit more about that. And then so after um, the representatives give a, a little overview of uh, the important, the most important uh, like highlights from that budget, um, it's going to be an opportunity for folks to ask questions and give feedback about the budget um, directly to your representatives. So like, you know, it's not just this feedback that's going in the wind, like you're going to actually be able to give that directly to your state representatives so they can take it back then uh, when they go back to the legislature and they start, you know, <laughs> things yep. are probably going to start getting cut. We, we all know that's probably going to happen, but um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's absolutely right. We people, it's important uh, uh, Robert will often describe this, right? We got to, during this part of the budget, it's very important that we put tons of public pressure on state legislators. And in the case of allies, like the two you're working with, um, do as best as possible to convey to them what you all feel is most important, worth fighting for in this, that they can take into that fight. But also, right, we're Governor Evers is part of our audience to make sure that he sees what's important and what is he potentially going to be willing to fight for when they present their budget. Um, so please, people, get out, attend these events. Um, I know uh, you're still working on the details of nailing down at the Green Bay event, but the Appleton event, right? You got some yes. solid details for folks? Yes, the Appleton event. It's going to be on Tuesday, March 7th uh, from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Outagamee County Dems office. Um, if I remember correctly, that is 516 uh, West College Avenue down in Appleton. Um, and as far as the event with Christina, um, I've had to rework the date a couple of of times but the new date that we have set now is march 13th uh, i believe that's a monday 
Um, and so same time frame, 6 to 7 p.m. Um, we're just uh, working on finalizing a date for that, or not a date, excuse me, a location for that right now. But I should have information uh, on that hopefully by the end of this week. And people, when you uh, go to those events, in addition to both the hearing and feedback, we will also provide you with a whole bunch of opportunities for you to get directly involved in potentially lobbying and doing other things um, on the ground that can help us achieve what we need out of the state budget. So please attend those events. Natalie, before we let you go, tell our folks a little bit more if you live in the Fox Valley, Green Bay area, why they need to become a member and how they can get in contact with you. And if they want to get involved in this, and in addition, right, um, you work on a whole bunch of issues, right? We work on these issues permanently, including uh, we're trying to work with Mayor Gunrick on doing historic things on climate, but how would folks follow up with you? Yeah, um, you can reach me at my email, which is natalie.hoffman at citizenactionwi.org, or you can uh, reach out, uh, text or call. My number is 414-216-1316. And yeah, we would love to have more people involved uh, throughout uh, all of Northeast Wisconsin. Um, you know, I live in Green Bay. Uh, there's a lot going on in Green Bay specific, not only with Eric's race uh, coming up, but also looking ahead to 2024, the uh, city council seats that we are looking to target. So there's a lot going on here, but there's also a lot going on throughout the entire region uh, through the Fox Valley, uh, looking down to like Manitowoc and Sheboygan. There's a lot going on with Manitowoc School Board right now. And so there's a lot of like electoral stuff that's happening locally, as well as um, issues based like climate and healthcare things that are uh, happening throughout the region that we would really like to build our capacity to be able to take on. So we would really love to uh, engage with more folks throughout the region. I would love to meet uh, more folks and uh, see where uh, you might be able to engage in this work. And I would love to work together with y'all to uh, see what we can do to grow our capacity to, you know, make bigger change in this region because we need it. Oh, it sounds great. People, please reach out to Natalie. If you're in Northeast Wisconsin, uh, we need your support. We need your engagement. Democracy is a participatory sport. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us and letting yeah, us know more about me. yourself and what you're up to. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Matt. Absolutely. Folks, we got we got to wrap up this show. We are we're at the limit. Please, please people get engaged in everything that we have going on. If you are in the Northeast Wisconsin, join our co-op. Reach out to Natalie. Please donate to our state Supreme Court Action Fund. This election's absolutely critical again. Every dollar that is donated goes directly to our work on this election and making sure we win and change this democracy, uh, change that Supreme Court. Folks, thank you, Natalie, for joining us. I also want to thank Dr. Michael Rosen, our in-house economist. I want to thank Brian Woldridge, our producer, who makes it happen every week. Of course, we'll see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. <laughs>